Hello, my name is Miller Pike. I'm a producer and creator located in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and you are once again joining me on AP Studio Files. AP Studio Files. If you're joining us for the first time, please check out season one with featured artists such as friend of the pod and producer of Empire Music Fest, Carrie Blue. If you're an old time listener, welcome back. Excited to introduce you to season two, episode five, and continuing our journey into 2022. Give us a follow at AP Studio BK on Instagram and TikTok for more updates. Ernest Brockenberry is a native New Yorker raised in the Bronx and attended LaGuardia High School. Drawn to STEM at a young age, he spent most Saturdays from fifth grade through high school in a science program at the Natural History Museum. A few stints in the Texas heat as a young adult helped him solidify his love and place in the city, and he returned invigorated to begin his adult life. Creativity became a focal point around this time, but like many artists, he struggled to find a work-slash-creative balance. And in 2019, he released his first EP. Some show highlights include Elsewhere and most recently The Sultan Room. Stay tuned to check out an upcoming 2022 completely self-produced album. Now, of course, welcome to the studio, Ernest Brockenberry. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I, I tell everyone about the, just the kismet of us running into each other. So for listeners, I had literally put Ernest on a short list. I want to say within 48 hours <laughs> of people that I wanted to have on the podcast. And then we ran into each other Such on the street moment, in Crown Heights. <laughs> and I literally, I walked away and I was like... I just put him. I was like, oh my gosh. No, I loved it. I loved that kind of stuff. And I was just telling everyone, I was like, this individual is so like, just such a light and oh. such like a smiley, like wonderful force. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm so happy to have you here Thank today. You. So after my intro, I'd love to hear a little bit more in your words. Like, who are you? Yeah. For our audience. I am Ernest Brockenberry. Yeah. <laughs> 24 years old. I always never know how to answer this question. <laughs> I'm a musician, model, multi-hyphenate artist of sorts. Awesome. And yeah, That's great. I feel like still learning <laughs> who I am, which is exciting. Yeah. No, I definitely, I mean, I feel like the last couple of years have been a really like a journey. A journey. Yeah. A journey <laughs> definitely in that, yeah. at least for me. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I started 2020 going like, oh, career goals. <laughs> So excited. I feel like 2020 was the, like, of course, every year is yeah. the like, oh, this is going to be a great My year. year. <laughs> but 2020, I started and I was like, oh, I like feel like a lot's going to happen this year. And mm. I just remember like feeling just like ready. Ready. And then flash forward to March. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I wasn't ready for this. Uh. <laughs> like uh. the brakes. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. <laughs> So you've moved a couple times during the pandemic. Yeah, I moved a couple times. Okay. I moved in May of 2020, moved to Crown Heights, and yes. I love Crown Heights. I'm yeah. so happy that I made that move. It's such a great neighborhood. I was really excited. My boyfriend used to live yeah. in Crown Heights and just like having an excuse to be in that neighborhood. It's so nice. There's also so many artists in Crown Heights, Yeah, which I don't think I ever really realized. I no, thought I thought okay. it was like a lot of adults. Yes, like lots of <laughs> adults. Not that like... I am not also an adult. <laughs> Just under half of the people living in the Crown Heights area and in Brooklyn as a whole are under 35. Whereas Bushwick is significantly younger. 58% of Bushwick is under 35. 
18% of the Brooklyn population, 20% of Crown Heights, and 26% of Bushwick are between 25 and 35. So although Crown Heights has more 20-somethings than the rest of Brooklyn, it doesn't come close to Bushwick. More than a third of those in the Crown Heights area work in education, healthcare, and social services, and only about 9% work in arts, entertainment, and food service, although these numbers may have changed since data was collected in 2019. 16% of those in Bushwick work in the arts, entertainment, and food services, while only 20% in education, healthcare, and social services. Living in Bushwick during before the pandemic and like mm -hmm. right at the beginning of it, I think I felt very in touch with the young adult side of myself right. that was like figuring it out and constantly searching. Totally. And I think for a while when I first moved to Crown Heights, I was like, this feels kind of intimidating in a way. Like I'd walk to the park and be like, there's just families. <laughs> like, it's just families. Like I feel like yeah, I need to grow up. And <laughs> you look around and you're like, oh, everyone's in a very like different phase of yeah. life than I am, which is nice. I mean, I'm 31 and still kind of like... I feel you. <laughs> Trying to figure out if Bushwick or Crown Heights is like where I want to be. Just in terms of life, not neighborhood. No, um, yeah, I get you. So you moved there. I moved there. I was living with four other people, which was really nice. And like, oh, yeah, I spent a lot of time on the roof in that apartment, oh. which like that was the first time I'd had an outdoor space like in my home. And honestly, it did wonders for just my creativity and like learning, I think, who I was as an artist. I yeah. Think that like the start of the pandemic found me like really trying to tap into that a little bit more. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my friend TK, who I work on music with. I remember you mentioning them. Yeah. 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 He's such a great person. I could go on. <laughs> Shout amazing. out TK. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember us having a conversation like right at the beginning of the pandemic when I started learning how to use logic and mm -hmm. like producing a little more and like talking about the idea of making an album and all these things. And he was like, the first thing that you need to do is figure out in the Ernest Brockenberry world, what can people expect? Like if someone hears your name, mm. like what music, what art, what things are they going to like imagine already? And I think that in a lot of ways that like threw me for a loop. But Interesting. Like, kind of like branding yourself in a yeah, way. Yeah. Very much like branding myself and just like getting a little bit more intentional about what I was wanting to release. I can see that being super helpful, especially kind of when you are a person who has so many different multi-talented facets in your creative career. I don't want to say limiting yourself because that no, I feel yeah. like that is such a negative connotation, but making yourself focus. Yeah, exactly. And like I like limiting yourself in a way because yeah. it like I'm one of those people who I really get overwhelmed by options and like I really get overwhelmed <laughs> by like avenues and gotcha. paths and I'm constantly curious about new things and mm -hmm. constantly curious about new sounds when it comes to my music but a lot of the time that just means that I spend a lot of time meandering you I, know? I've definitely felt that some in my own creative career especially when I was like maybe not really wanting to be an actor as much anymore but still being like but this is what I've done yeah and yeah. this is what I know how to do but I don't want to put the time into it yeah, anymore yeah. and so kind of like how do I I don't know yeah I totally get that and I mean like not wanting to half-ass eight things yes exactly and I think in a way moving to Crown Heights and like being surrounded by 
energy that felt a little bit more fixed. Like yes. it felt like a lot of people were settled mm-hmm. or I was like looking around at like even myself feeling a little bit more settled. Mm-hmm. And it forced me to like think about everything a little bit more and right. just get a little bit more intentional, especially with my music. And Your like, sound. Yeah, my sound and kind of asking myself why I was making what I was making. And totally. like if I even cared about the things that I was writing and like honestly, I romanticize roofs now so much. <laughs> but like spending time just by myself in a space where when I looked around me, all I saw was everything else and I felt so small. I was mm. like, I get to like focus on me. That's you know? cool. Like I get to exist in this big world and this big city and just like focus on me. An outdoor space in New York, too, I feel like is such a romantic spot in general. It's like your own alone. Because we don't really have the alone in the car thing. No, No, But but you can be alone with everyone else. Yes. Yeah. And like... It's funny that you bring up the alone in the car thing because, like, <gasps> I miss it. <laughs> it's so, like, I never experienced that growing up, but right. and I never really got it. But I always romanticized the idea of like being in a car. And I remember growing up and even in my writing, like referencing like a car or like a back seat or something like that. And it was so when Olivia silly. Rodrigo's driver's license came out. I was like, if this had come out when I was like 16, 17, I would have been. Undone, like absolutely. (laughs) So going back, kind of into growing up in New York and going to school in Spanish Harlem and growing up in the Bronx. Walk me through a little bit of that. Like walk me through who Ernest was as a kiddo. Yeah, (laughs) as a kid, I think I was just always curious and always fascinated with everything going on around me. And Mm. I think that a lot of that... You nosy? I'm a little nosy. (laughs) Very nosy. As a kid, especially, I just always wanted to be tapped into what was going on. Mm -hmm. And like whether that meant... Like my mom's a huge fan of window shopping. And like whether that meant just walking around looking at everything or like striking random conversations with people about Mm -hmm. things. I think that that's the kid that I was. Yeah. I was also just very... I was a very emotional kid without actual ways to put it into things Mm. and in a way that... Pretty sensitive. Yeah, very sensitive. So sensitive. Oh, I just want to wrap little Ernest in a hug. (laughs) The interesting thing about it, as I've gotten old, I think when I was younger, I really used to see a lot of those things about myself as not weaknesses so much, but things that I was very glad that I grew up from. Yeah. And I think now I look back and I like, try to tap into some of those things because I'm like that kid was happy and also good for your art I'm sure I feel like you know there's that whatever that meme going around it's like every art that I do right now is for (laughs) my 17 year old self exactly and while I think that's a bit corny I totally relate yeah it does (laughs) like it strikes a chord I think too like being younger and growing up in the city and kind of always being in motion right was really helpful for me to like learn how to channel my feelings into more than just conversations or more than just like keeping them trapped in my head. I feel like you actually said something and I'm going to quote you. Some of my listeners know that I send out like a questionnaire beforehand to get to know the artist a little bit to help myself form my own questions. And you said throughout my senior year, I spent a lot of time in transit, bouncing between trains, buses, cars, and the Staten Island Ferry. It was during that time that I really began to observe and question 
the impacts that growing up in New York had on me and my peers and to question my relationship with the city as a whole. Yeah. I loved, I loved, I mean, I've been talking about this a lot with people like people who I see who were not necessarily affected sometimes by the pandemic. Yeah, I'm like, I don't yeah. really trust you. Yeah, exactly. So, but I feel like that questioning like your relationship with the city is something that really resonated with me when mm. I was reading your questionnaire and I was hoping that you could talk a little bit more about what those emotions were at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I think specifically my senior year of high school, like kind of from the summer before my junior year through the end of high school, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in this really lost place where I was thinking about college and thinking about leaving. Big transition time. Yeah, huge transition time. And I like just really got to this point where I was like, who am I at my core when I'm not? here you know and by here I kind of like yes New York and also Mm -hmm. like high school and also like your multi-different identities yeah like where you sat with them and it kind of felt like everything was ending at once the science program that I did was ending high school was ending like I was at the time really grappling with who I was as like a gay man and like what that meant when I wasn't in high school anymore right surrounded by people who felt similar to me and then I wound up moving to Texas which is like the opposite (laughs) like it's It's, very different it's so funny because I feel like a couple of people that I've interviewed I didn't even know I remembered as soon as I saw it on your questionnaire that we had a Texas connection but it's so interesting to me because Koa who I also interviewed this last season had a Dallas connection (laughs) and had a Texas connection and yeah I forgot that you have family there I have family there yeah I've been going out there since I was a kid like we used to go out there every summer and visit my grandma and she's lived out there since my mom was like 18 or so so like it was nice to go have summers somewhere else that kind of felt like a second home right and I didn't really even understand that it was a second home until I was running away from New York Mm. and then I was like what feels natural like where would I go like a good reset Mm -hmm, a good reset and I think at that point with questioning my relationship to the city I was asking myself a lot of do I want to be here anymore right at all questions and it's so funny because so for me like New York was the destination which I feel like is like a lot of kids growing up romanticizing that but I can imagine being like I don't know a little beaten down by it at a certain point but also being like but this is all like most of what I know yeah and like I think by the end of high school, I was starting to kind of catch on to the fact that this was other people's destinations. Right. And like kind of talking to teachers or like my parents about like what my future looked like mm-hmm. and things like that. It felt like no one else was talking to me about what it would be like to leave. Right. Like everyone else, it felt like was gearing me towards staying here. Totally. And I think by then I was like, no, like I deserve to have a destination <laughs> that's not this city. And like while that wasn't Texas and like while I don't know what that will be, like I think that was the point where I started recognizing like, okay, like different paths. And right. Stuff. And just like also I liked you saying like, what is my identity outside of living here? Yeah. Because I do feel like sometimes, you know, people come to New York and I feel like I have been totally guilty of this myself, especially early on in my living here. It was like, well, I live in New York now. Yeah. So like <laughs> kind of I pay rent. <laughs> every month to say that I work really hard (laughs) to live in New York. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah. And like, honestly, I think that that was part of what scared me Mm. coming out of high school specifically was like, I don't feel ready to actually live in New York, which was weird, especially since I grew up here, you know, it's always been 
home, but mm-hmm. I don't think I was feeling that. I wasn't feeling connected to it. And leaving, that was the first time I'd like left for a substantial amount of time. Yeah. And it made me feel so much more connected. I think I visited maybe a month or two after I moved to Texas. I mm-hmm. came back and visited for like three days. And you were like, oh. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> shit. Like, I'm going to go get a good haircut. <laughs> like, uh, like all these things that felt at that point when I came back, I realized were such big parts of who I was without meaning that that is all I am. Oh, yeah. I feel like wherever you are, whoever you are, that's a really huge thing to be able to sit in your own bones and say that. Like, I'm not rooted to like where I live or, you know, I have a lot of identity or a lot to give outside of that. I love that. So obviously the last two years have been really weird. How has your relationship with the city since then? You were 18. Like, how has your relationship with the city since then shifted, grown? Yeah, I think that I'm learning how to love this city in a different way now. Mm. And like part of that honestly came with moving to Brooklyn. Like when I first moved back to New York, I was living with my parents. And like I moved out and was living in the Bronx. I stayed pretty local to where I grew up. And then I remember having this moment of like, I'm moving to Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to Brooklyn. That's your rebellion. Yeah, right? (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, mm, I'm going to be an adult now. (laughs) And like... Moving a little bit further from home and like, especially now, I kind of had a similar moment when I moved to Crown Heights where I was like, I'm going to work a little harder to connect with my environment in like a different way rather than just like from 18 to 22, 23, I moved a lot and like right before the pandemic within that last year I moved so many times. You were like, fuck. Yeah, like I just started feeling like... I don't know, everywhere I was was just like a little snippet. And yeah. And like, it didn't matter. And I was like, I'm not going to hang up anything here because like, whatever, this is just where I sleep, you know? Right. Like, moving to Crown Heights, like hanging art on my walls, like... Decorating. Feel, yeah, yeah, decorating. Nothing my... like nesting to yeah. like make you feel... I feel like I did a lot of that during the pandemic in this apartment and like continue to do that in order to like, I don't know, keep it refreshed, keep yeah. it interesting. I spend so much more time at home. So much more now. Like, and, like you get to <laughs> it enjoy needs it. To be, yeah, it needs... I feel like kind of as to your point before, like I was in a similar boat where I wasn't like... I did live in the same place, but I was always working like three or four yeah. jobs. I was yeah. like doing... 16 hour days almost every day and then still having a social life on top of that and kind of like running myself into the ground with that so yeah being forced to stop yeah it's so important and also like I feel like that's kind of where I was prior to the pandemic too Mm -hmm. and now I'm like oh my god I don't have the energy to I could not like have a social life and also work a lot. I no. Think, now. Now and I'm also just like a don't hermit. wanna. No, <laughs> not at like, all. And I'll, like, I look at my calendar, I have like four things to do that week and I'm like, <sighs> maybe I'll cancel. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, a weekend with like two social obligations. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> I definitely feel like that kind of um, grounding. I know that when Corey was on at the end of last season Mm -hmm. who we threw a show together in 2021 when he was on we had spent a lot of time talking about when things started to reopen and Mm. this was kind of like when the vaccines were being rolled out when things started to reopen being so precious with our time yeah for real but like I remember at that point feeling like I'm gonna do things sure but like how do I space them out well and also being like a little unavailable yeah I think I got used to being 
yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Because they're all like opportunities, blah, 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 blah. And kind of as to your point earlier, where you were saying like, kind of not being grounded in the experiences that we were experiencing. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think the thing that I've learned to love the most about mm-hmm. the pandemic, at least at the beginning, was like being intentional about my time with myself. Yep. So once things opened up, I was like, well, how do I balance spending this meaningful time with myself that like now I'm able to enjoy? Like now that I like sitting in my room, like totally. How do I balance that with wanting to have a social life like wanting to see my friends who I haven't seen and like now take care so of each long. other mm-hmm. somewhat yeah and like be able to lean on each other like it was such a hard time and I think I got really used to like leaning on myself more mm. and then once things reopened I was like okay like, I need we gotta human turn that connection around. yeah <laughs> like, gotta turn it around but like there was so many questions of like do I want to I'm like do I actually enjoy spending time with people instead of myself, you know? A hundred percent. I feel like, yeah, that kind of taking that intentionality into, I want to say like every aspect of my life. Like I just, it's not that I feel impatient or anything like that, but I just don't fuck with bullshit anymore. Oh, for real? Yeah. Like I would rather sit at home alone than be around anybody that I don't want to be around. A hundred percent. And like, it just feels good good when you're able to make that decision mm-hmm. for yourself and be like oh yeah I didn't want to be there and yeah like, I didn't and I won't be interact. happy being there yeah I'm like choosing that happiness like I was actually just speaking to like a friend about like learning and like forcing myself to continue saying in my head like happiness is a choice and like you have to constantly choose it if you yeah. want to be happy like you have to decide that you're going to exactly you know? and I feel like I've come so up and down with that and I feel like my friends can testify I feel like like art has definitely seen some of me being like I am not good right now I literally art walked in today and I was like I'm doing well (laughs) I was like be proud of me I was like I'm doing well and also I booked all the guests for the rest of the season (laughs) it's, it's, it's a great feeling to like to the point of like choosing to spend time with yourself versus people you don't want to be around it's great when you get to like be around those people who validate you and like yes or like you cancel plans and they're like bitch i didn't want to i wanted to cancel too (laughs) they're like perfect i'm in my pajamas everyone enjoys soup in a bath (laughs) (laughs) oh that sounds so nice (laughs) ancient greek philosophers spent a great deal of time discussing the concept of happiness Aristotle believed that happiness, or eudaimonia, was the ultimate goal that humans should strive for. He emphasized that being virtuous and having strong friendships could help to achieve happiness, and emphasized that pursuing pleasure wouldn't result in happiness, but that virtuous friendship could combine both good morals and pleasure. Humans' concept of happiness and how to achieve it has shifted drastically over the ages. A book called Happiness is a Choice was published in the 90s by Barry Neal Kaufman. He co-founded the Option Institute with his wife after they supposedly cured their son of autism and decided to teach other parents how to do the same. This is dubious at best, and one study on the program showed that it resulted in more drawbacks than benefits for families and children. He's written 12 books that are primarily self-help or memoirs. So going back to like this time that you did have and how you started to kind of, I guess, I don't want to say value it more, but like have that intentionality about it. You did a lot with it. I know we sat down and we got coffee like a couple weeks ago or something. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Honestly, I often 
downplay the ways that I spend my time. Mm -hmm. And like growing up, I was such a busy kid. Like my parents really like were very intentional about making sure me and my siblings were always doing something. Right. And so now it's just such a part of who I am that sometimes I don't give myself enough credit, but I'd spend a lot of time like working on shit like during the pandemic. Yeah, which... like skills. Thank like yeah. you like garnered some skills. I do feel like <laughs> I did. And I think honestly like a lot of that was just prior to the pandemic I'd only just started to like take my music seriously. Right. And there was this sort of flood of creative things that were happening like right in the beginning of 2020 the end yeah. of 2019 couple like, couple really big shows, big shows elsewhere the sultan room yeah. yeah and sultan room like was more recent but like i was doing so far as at that right point. And, like, right yeah i just remember wanting to like feel a part of the music scene but also like working full-time and, and you know i don't know about you but i do feel like so koa and i were who i interviewed a couple episodes ago we were talking specifically about the Dallas versus like the uh, the music scene here. Okay, yeah. And I remember coming here and feeling that the music scene was like a little more disjointed. Yeah. Than I was used to. Yeah, I was like the scene especially prior to the pandemic. Yeah. I feel like it was very like you kind of it was bills pretty- were like just thrown yeah. the fuck together. Yeah. yeah, you were like, who is opening for me? Like, And there I've, was no connection. Like, no yeah. desire for that deeper connection, it the, felt like. And I don't know where that stems from. And I do think, like, I see people, like, shout out to Carrie Blue, who runs Empire Music Fest. And, like, I see people who are trying to make it more of a community yeah. effort and who do make intentional bills. But I don't know if it comes down to the venues or if it comes down to the promoters. But when I do shows, not to like to my own horn, but when I do shows, I want all the artists to like follow each other and yes. know each other and like cross promote and like build Be from there. about being on the same bill. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. I also, I feel like I'm kind of spoiled because I've, my first show at Elsewhere was like, I was so excited for it, and it was just, like, a bill of people that I, like, knew, like... That's awesome. And it, it felt special. Yeah. And I think that That's that, the show that I saw. Yeah, that's yeah, the one I was, I was yelling at your family. <laughs> I, I was know. like, I fucking love Ernest. <laughs> I was so <laughs> happy. Sweet like, little family. <laughs> it just felt like that show, first of all, so nervous. Like, shaking before oh. I went on stage. My shoe had broken during rehearsal. Like, there were just yeah. all these little oh, random God. things. <laughs> And, like, being up there, I was like, damn, like, if this is what being on stage feels like every time, like, I want to do this. That was a killer show. Thank you. I loved that show. Their I sound loved. is so good. Your band is so good. Shout out Luke DeCola. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, I just love, like, feeling connected to artists. And I can't imagine, because of the fact that the shows I've done have been with people that I've known. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine now the other side of that of like just I've done that with like so far and like I get it and it is nice to be able to connect with new artists but that's the thing I want to like connect with other artists rather than just being like okay we're both here in this green room like yeah yeah no I definitely think I enjoy seeing and also curating bills that are a little bit more intentional yeah or like intentionally unintentional you know like yeah yeah, like kind of scattered which is fun too which is a lot of what like what the apartment party stuff is and like what I hope to get back to yeah and it's spring 
I think just like the fact that you're so intentional, even if people don't know each other, like curating an environment where people know that they're there to connect. Right. You know, and I think that that's what felt like the biggest difference prior to the pandemic. Now I really feel like there is a lot more connectivity in the scene. That's what I see a lot, at least. Like I know there was a big show at Baby's All Right last night. I didn't end up making it. (laughs) Sorry. But like Elliot Skinner and Coho were playing with like a big group. They're a really cool crew. And like, yeah, just like kind of all coming up in the same time, kind of with the same vibe and and just super talented. And yeah, I definitely see that more now. At least like the bills I see, especially in like Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. are more like here is a collective. A hundred percent. And not just like you're here to see music like that's it yeah like no uh, that pay to play bullshit so (laughs) i don't know about you but i'm just like so anti-capitalist at this point i'm like i'm like i just i simply (laughs) do not give my time for free anymore (laughs) not at all and like we kind of can't like at this point in 2020 like honestly it feels like giving your time for free is just such a disservice to like 100% the whole community it like sets a bad precedent for each other you know okay so going into music going into I wanted to specifically talk a little bit about your upcoming album which you were so gracious to let me listen to some of and I was freaking out I was literally like live texting you like the most validating text to receive like everything was so cinematic and I could just like see it and I wanted like visuals for everything yeah. and I was like art directing like a yes. fucking music video for you in my head. Oh I was just very God. excited. And also like you have this bubbly, like lovely personality and then some of that shit was like moody. moody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I was like, okay, really sad moody. boy. <laughs> yeah. I think that like Kind of to what we were talking about earlier about like everything that you do at this point being for your 17 year old. Yes. Like, I feel like this album is very self-indulgent in some of the best possible ways. Yeah. Like, I just remember having a lot of moments like getting very stoned and like <laughs> sitting on the roof and listening back to like 20 second snippets of things that I'd like been working on and but feeling awesome. like proud of myself for the oh. first time and like as an artist that's so hard to do it congratulations that's much. awesome I, I think that in a lot of ways that like that is why the album's a little moodier because I like I don't know I you didn't, let yourself yeah I let myself and I was like you know what kill the talk per- about what you're feeling yeah like, be <laughs> honest you know what I mean like what is this meme it's like kill the part of yourself that cringes <laughs> yeah I'm like dude just like post everything give no fucks (laughs) and like interesting that you say that too because like my relationship with social media i think Mm. changed so much during the pandemic and forced me to to like be more intentional about the things that i wanted to share and like with working on the album and like writing about feelings that felt very very personal Mm -hmm. and like very intimate I'm like trying to find ways to like have this cinematic big like I was listening to a lot of music from the 80s like I wanted that like catharsis (laughs) but just like the production value thank you is so good and your voice sounds so amazing and I feel like you're just like sitting in yourself like yeah. more than I've seen you like and that's just so exciting. Thank I, you. Yeah, um, I felt very comfortable good. by the time that like by December of 2020 I'd finished writing and like 
showed the album to my friends uh, Joe and TK. Shout out to Shout Joe out. and TK. Love you guys so much. But I'd shown the album to them and was like, hey, like I'm ready to bring this into the studio and like turn this into. And they were like so on board. They worked with me on everything that I have out, which is just such a special feeling. Yeah, it's great to have those like spearheads like with you kind of like holding you accountable but also creatively pushing you and like they've always allowed me to have that meandery artist like (laughs) free form way of thinking with my creativity but also pushed me to like get a little bit more serious and like the first draft of the album that I showed them is not what wound up being it just because there were certain things that like needed to be reworked and Having other creatives around me that I could like bring that to in the yeah. working stages was so meaningful. Yeah. And like I remember even with all these feelings of like being proud of the album, like all these things that I felt when it was done, I still had so much anxiety and didn't really get comfortable, comfortable in it until I was in the studio with them like bringing the songs to life. I feel like so many people I know, and I feel like I'm guilty of this sometimes as well, will not take it to that stage. Yeah. Because that's really scary and really vulnerable. And if you don't have good, solid people... It it, it won't happen. It It can't happen, happen, kind of. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I got to that point where, because of the album so self-indulgent in some ways, and like very intimate and very... I was writing in a new way for myself Mm -hmm. and like trying to be a little bit more like witty and like less than just like here's how I'm feeling (laughs) (laughs) okay like I thought about I love some of the like alliterations that you make they're very visual thanks yeah I wanted this album to like feel and again part of the reason it wound up becoming so visual is because I was spending a lot more time being tapped in and like looking around at my surroundings and Mm. that came with moving and that came with like sitting again I've say roof so many times <laughs> we love a good <laughs> like, roof we love a good roof like <laughs> sitting on the roof and like sitting with myself and like actually having a conversation and like 100 percent thinking more rather <laughs> yeah. than i'm so like i'm always rushing around and like i think that working on this album forced me to like slow it down a little bit yeah and, like get in touch with all these feelings like the moodiness and the like desire to like paint more of a picture Mm -hmm. you know and I think putting my hands on the wheel and learning how to produce really broadened the horizons of what this album felt like it could be like I remember making jokes at the beginning of the pandemic being like I'm gonna write an album I'm like ha 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 like maybe that'd be so cool and then by the time it was done I was like shit (laughs) okay okay cool that's awesome yeah I know uh, Carrie Blue also kind of was like I love the way he put it he was like yeah I've always said like if I had the time and then I did and he was like shit that's the thing like I had logic I bought Logic when I went into school in 2019, like went to the new school for mm-hmm. that. Shout out that one semester. Hey, like, sometimes that's all you need. Yes, and that <laughs> discount, the discount that I got on Logic was great like, <laughs> for being in school. Yeah, and like, I'd always been like, oh, like one of these days I'm going to like, I'm going to take a week off of work and like really spend time and like, and, like get yeah, to know it. Yeah. Press all the buttons, see what they do. Mm-hmm. And I never I never did. I'm like yeah. really bad at like making myself make that time. Yeah, I feel that. Just having it in front of me, I was like, oh shit, I have to download Logic. Like, if I don't do this now, 
I'll never do it. Right. You know? And just, like, admitting that to myself was nice. <laughs> Logic Pro was first released in the early 90s under the name Notator Logic by a German software company, C-Lab. Their name was changed to eMagic before they were bought by Apple in 2002. Apple released GarageBand two years later, a simplified version of Logic. They offered two different versions of Logic before discontinuing the mid-tier option. They eventually made Logic Pro and GarageBand compatible so that regular people could mix things in GarageBand at home before bringing them to a professional studio and having an engineer who could import tracks into the professional software. Not to put you on the spot, but oh, I was yeah. wondering if you could kind of give our audience a little bit of a mood board of like yeah. what this album is going to be. Influences, keywords, nouns, I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've actually been thinking about this a lot more because we're starting to, Ben starting to work on the visuals for a while now. Awesome. And like, as far as references and influences for this album go, I was like listening to a lot of 80s music. So catharsis comes to mind as mm -hmm. like just like a word or a buzzword for this album I wanted everything to feel explosive almost mm -hmm. like you were just getting an excuse to scream <laughs> an excuse to let it out and I was listening to a lot of like St. Vincent so I'm like yes. love, love her Vincent, yeah. she's one of my favorite artists and like honestly I think that like listening to a lot of her music is what pushed me to r try to write differently I'm mm. a huge fan of her lyrics and like her like she's a great lyricist such a great lyricist yeah. and I think that I was listening to a lot of her stuff and I was listening to a lot of like Phoebe Bridgers oh, <laughs> like, oh my god like, Phoebe, me and Phoebe Bridgers had a time in 2020 oh yeah I like there was this running joke in our apartment that like listening to Phoebe Bridgers gave me an ear infection <laughs> because I like wound up getting it must have been like late summer early fall something like that I was like listening to her album Punisher nonstop, and then it just weirdly coincided with me like getting a fucking horrible ear infection oh, ear infections are the worst yeah and I hadn't had one since I was like a kid I was like how oh. am I like five again I'm like <laughs> what is happening but like either way like I was like listening to a lot of Phoebe Bridgers like listening to a lot of music that made me feel like I should be a better writer honestly mm. I'm like challenging you yeah challenging yeah. me and like the in the best way I mean that's what like, influences should always do right a hundred percent and like not only just like lyrically but like production wise I was lis listening to a lot of like blood orange stuff and like just a lot of different I don't know, opposing sounds, I think. Gotcha. At that moment. I'm I can like, hear Blood Orange in like a couple. I'm not going to mention any. No. A couple of the songs. A couple of the songs. Just a little song. Yeah, I like, I don't know. I was really inspired by like his, a lot of his production and like a lot. I don't know. I think a lot of his music has this sort of intimacy. You kind of feel like you're sitting in a room listening to to him record and he's not looking at I don't know there's a sort of like mm. spectatorship about his music in a weird way outsideness yeah, yeah. outsideness and like I don't know I like I think as far as like general influences there was a lot of feeling small in mm. in writing this album and not small in a bad way but just like I think in a weird way for the first time in a long time, I actually felt a part of the city, mm. like a part of like 
my own life and like the lives of people around me. You yeah, know? I feel like a lot of things for me were kind of stripped back. Yeah. To that like very neutral, like I need to eat three times a day. Yes. I need to make sure I stay hydrated. I'm going to go on my walk. And I learned like more about my neighborhood. A hundred percent. Then, yeah, I felt very. I've I've never felt more rooted in the city, even though the city has never felt weirder. Yeah, and like in in a way, like just like that desire, that like lack of connection, just mm-hmm. made me kind of feel it more. And like just because it was more intentional, like I went from being surrounded by people constantly because it felt like the thing to do to mm-hmm. like not being surrounded by people and then being like, okay, now what? Right. You know, like what's left? Right. You know, like if I, a lot of it was like taking away everything that wasn't my music and being like, okay, now that I have to actually look at this, like, what does it look like? (laughs) You know? And like, there, I don't know. Yeah. Just... I, it's like it was like another kind of how you were saying like what am I without the city? Yeah, like, I kind of again. Yeah. almost. I mean, no, what am I, I what, with only the city? Yeah, <laughs> what am I with only the city? And what am I with only like when I pull back everything that I'm doing out of obligation? Like now, what what do I want? Oh, and know? I just don't do obligations. God, oh, obligations nope. make. And I think maybe it's like the southern part of me. I'm like, I just don't do that shit anymore, <laughs> honey. Like. I'm sorry. I love the Southern accent, <laughs> but it's true. Like it's, imp- I don't know. I've, I've also found like a sort of peace and like just not feeling obligated to do things, especially when it comes around or when it comes to like people. Like, yeah. I don't want to feel obligated to like write anything for anyone. A hundred percent. Cause I don't know about you, but like I will pull more than my share of weight oh hell yeah and i just mm -mm. it it just ends at 50 percent now (laughs) yeah for real like at this point and like kind of to the point of like um not wanting to half-ass eight things right working on this album and like sitting i did so much just like sitting in the room waking up i'm such an early bird so i'd be up at like 8 a.m and just being like i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna work like yeah i'm gonna sit in front of my computer and that's my See prime time out. as well. Uh-huh. It's the like, best. It's the best. Nobody, especially if you're like in Bushwick, if you wake up at 8 a.m. on a Sunday, this <laughs> no might as well be an apocalypse <laughs> no. zone because like nobody's out. You go to walk at 8 a.m. on a Sunday and you're just like, okay, it's me. Yeah. It's me. In these like blocks <laughs> yeah, of yeah. like no nature. No, like, nothing, nothing, no other person. Yeah. Everyone's hungover. <laughs> yes, especially during like in the beginning of the pandemic, I remember like taking i would like take these long walks like under the j train oh and yeah be like what i like hear the sound of the train i'm like not gonna get on it but like but isn't it like nice? i miss it yeah like i miss <laughs> the city i miss the connecting courtney kardashian she's like it's just so nice to smell it yeah i wouldn't eat it but it's just so nice to smell it. <laughs> that's like it that's how i felt and like honestly like i think just like i don't know wanting to write from a more vulnerable place forced mm. me to like see how I fit into things a little more and how my, I've like gotten very off the original track (laughs) of references and influences, but like I think getting more in touch with like the artists that inspired me and like what my actual artistic references what like what i wanted them to be right for this album going back to the kind of like who is your sound yeah what is your sound yeah i think that i think that i I don't know. I started thinking of myself as more of p- 
part of that than like, oh, I want to be inspired by St. Vince. <laughs> like, I want to be inspired by all these Just artists. Just letting it happen a little more nat- organically. Yeah, very organically and like allowing myself to feel like it was actually happening rather than constantly fighting for it, you know? You're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely feel like that when you're like, I'm going to sit down and write this. Yes. And then you just fu- have shot yourself in the foot. For sh- Yeah. <laughs> and like, honest, like also part of that was like, I feel very lucky to say that in the beginning of the pandemic, I released two singles and they did pretty well. Yeah. And I had a lot of, in, into like going into working on the album and I started like really writing it in the summer. Mm-hmm. But I think following how those two singles did, I was like, well, how do I write those again? Or like, how do oh, I that can be such recreate a trap that? too? Such a creative trap, at least. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, some people, some people, they write the same thing their entire career. Like, and that's you know, great for them. Yeah, and that's great for them. But I can definitely, I can definitely see you as a person who's like, no, I want to like build, oh, build, yeah. build, constant building. Speaking of, so speaking of building, mm-hmm. um. I loved in the questionnaire, you kind of spoke about some like goals and dreams. Um, one of which being to have an artist retreat, yes. which of course I love yes. the sound of, um, because I really think, and like, I've, I feel like this kind of theme keeps coming up with many of the artists that I interview this, um, like spaces are really important right yeah. now, taking up space, but also like giving space and having space. Um, and then taking, uh, I know I was talking a lot, I feel like this has come up several times, but most recently with Avery, yeah. um, kind of taking creative support offline mm. and like how, what does that look like? And, um, you know, kind of talking about like, uh, I hate the word think tank, but like a creative yeah. or artist think tank and like, how do we get, how do we get... How do we get their fucking money? Yes, how do we yes. get their money? <laughs> how do we get their money? How do we like keep creating art? And also like, how do we get money in ways where we don't constantly feel like we're fighting for it or in competition with each other for it? Right, you know? right. I feel like there's, and I, I feel like I see this in myself and I feel like I see this in a lot of other people is there's a lot more willingness currently to like give space to yes. other people. Yeah. Everyone's like, dude, great job. I'm yeah. also doing my own thing. And they actually don't conflict with one another because my ego is so broken yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, for real. That I can support you now. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and that's kind of the best thing. I listened to this one interview that this artist, Sevdaliza, who I absolutely love, she like did this interview. She's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's so she just released a new EP. Oh I have God. not listened. I'm so excited. <laughs> but she was talking about how uh, in her music, she like works with this one producer, and she was talking about how when they work on the songs, they each go into a studio and they'll like work on something and then leave, and the other person will come in and just continue working on it, uh. and they won't talk about it in between, and they'll just let the art speak for itself and just transform with their own vision so that it leaves ego out of the room and i was like that sounds sounds so fun number one to like be like what are they gonna fucking do with this and then come back like an hour later and they're like holy shit not at all what i thought was gonna happen no and that's the best feeling Sevdaliza, an Iranian-Dutch multi-hyphenate singer-songwriter said in an interview at red bull music academy in paris here in holland we work more in blocks We start a session and we end a session. In LA, it was, you go on as long as you want. 
I started to experiment with different styles of making, questioning the process and changing that. For instance, instead of writing, I started freestyling and then layering those freestyled vocal tracks to see what kind of progression and harmonies would naturally pop up. We also did some tracks where we started out with a vocal idea and then produced under it instead of the opposite way. I think that that's really what, like when I started to be like, what would an artist retreat look like mm-hmm. if the whole purpose wasn't, isn't necessarily just like, oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to finish up all these things I've been working on. It's just like, I'm going to go here with a group of people who think and work and like are doing things that feel similarly to what I want to do and just see what happens. Even if like you don't make anything in it, just like being around each other and like letting that creativity habits too. Like I feel like a lot of times I I'm influenced by like, Oh, Oh, I see a person and they do like these four things in the Mm -hmm. morning. Like maybe that works for me and I'll try it out. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't like maybe whatever, but like get to just collect from each other. Exactly. I feel like, um, day Briere and I talked a lot about, um, uh, kind of giving giving knowledge yeah. is like why is that a capitalist thing like fuck you get your money away from me give you me give me your money but get your money away from me yes um <laughs> and get your money away from like the why yeah. and the my, like my intention does not have to be about the money exactly and I, but i really loved that idea of like i know this thing and i'm gonna teach it to people and like but but they you know kind of bartering knowledge yeah. and I really liked that kind of idea and kind of implementing that into like strictly a creative setting would be really cool though like I really want to learn how to grant right if anyone knows how to grant right I'm really organized I can organize your apartment <laughs> I'll organize your whole life um, <laughs> um, and so- oh, sharing knowledge too like also to me like is like the purest form of supporting mm. other artists like yes. that's kind of all we can give each, I don't know, like at the root of it, that's all we can give each other, you know? When you take the money out of it, when you take like all the other stuff, the connections even out of it, like if we can just share knowledge with each other and grow as a community, then we can all, you know, we can all benefit. Totally, which actually like very much leads into my uh, thesis question, which is um, kind of started from the first season. I, I asked every artist, you know, what does joy look like in a community setting, which is, uh, a question that had been kind of in my head since the beginning of the pandemic, like yeah. where does my place is like giving other people space. And if there's no space, like how do I, how, what's yeah, my what purpose? Yeah. And like, what is, you know, so like, so I asked people that and a lot of what came up was support. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think you're totally right. I think that, that not gatekeeping knowledge, yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of, I guess to kind of expand on that. So, so I love, I love that answer. I think what you said is beautiful. Thank you. Um, I, I agree that I think support is like the, like support is like where, I don't know, the joy in the community is going to be found out. Cause mm-hmm. also like if we can't lean on each other, if when all that feeling of like competition is in the room like nothing can happen you right. can't even enjoy each other's art at that point you I know? agree and I do think that that's such an ego thing and I yeah. do I don't know I feel like everyone I'm talking to is like dude ego is like who is she yeah like at this point too like kind of what you're like my ego is also very broken <laughs> down at this point <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing no like and uh, I like 
I don't know. I love, I love collaborating so much mm-hmm. that sometimes it's, I don't know. It's, I keep saying, I don't know, but <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine ego being more important than just the space that you get to be in with an artist. Right. You know? And I've, I've never been one of those people who like has to be right. I think I've always just been too anxious to have a very big ego and like a little too. Like, like, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, yes. If, like, whatever I, you think. I am an artist. Ha ha. Maybe. Like, <laughs> like, there's always a question mark at the end, right. you know, and like the pandemic forced me to remove that question mark because I wasn't asking anyone. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Huge. Thank, I'm still working on it for sure. And like, I think, I think it just like, once that ability to be in spaces with other artists was removed, mm-hmm. like in a similar sense, I started kind of questioning what my role was and like how I could support and show up for people if I couldn't go, if I couldn't yeah. be there. And I like, I've never, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I consider myself very good at connecting, but I'm not good at connecting in a digital. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I know it does not feed my soul. No, at all. Like, oh my God. All the zoom shows. Yeah. And the, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to be able to support. I want to be able to like find joy for myself in this community. And yeah. And I, I want to be able to, I think for me, like the problem is, I don't always stay connected enough online yeah. to I'll, I'll miss it. I'll yeah. see the thing and I'll be like, fuck, I should have been there. And I hate to be like an old lady, but sometimes I'm just like, Hey, if you guys are doing anything cool, could you just <laughs> send it to me? I'll put it on my calendar. It's I'll true. be there. <laughs> it's true. And like, but also I think that that is, and I, I listened to like the, something that really stood out to me in the Avery episode mm-hmm. was that idea of bringing everything offline, like you were just saying, and like yeah. showing up for people in ways that aren't aren't just like, I'm going to come to the show and be there for a second. It's like, how's your day? Like, yeah. What's going on in your life? I'll text right. you this thing and maybe we'll have a little exchange that means more. And that's also why running into you on the street was such a like <sighs> kismet and like that's beautiful so... moment in a, in a way because <laughs> yeah. it, it felt like actually connecting. Right. You know? I know. And I do feel like those, those moments have felt uh, farther and fewer yeah. between and, and, and yeah, it's been really nice. Well, um, Ernest, it has been absolutely lovely Thank having you, you so here much today. For having me. Plugs, so plugs, fun. tell the people where to find you. Yes. Um, you can find me. Honestly, I'm the most active on Instagram right now, just because I'm still, I'm like trying to get there on TikTok. I God will, this, I, I will try <laughs> this, this year will be my year to get into <laughs> other social media platforms, but Ernest Brockenberry on Instagram. Same spelling and on, as it'll be on our uh, episode. Yep, same spelling. I um, And also on all streaming services, Ernest Brockenberry. Awesome. Keep an eye out for lots of new stuff this yeah, year. Yeah, we're, look for, we're looking forward to your first full album first in full 2022. Album. Woo! Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> AP Studio Files can be found on all streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram at AP Studio BK. Stay tuned for our Instagram about upcoming parties this spring and summer. AP Studio Files is hosted by Miller Pike with technical production by Artie Kapishki, photography by Tucker W. Mitchell, and researched by H. Connolly with music by Fab the Duo.